I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm so glad one of my favorite guests is here today. It's Josh Stavros, who is with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Hi, Josh. Hello. You know, I'm so glad we're ha- you're here in town because often we think of the summer and heading to Cedar City. We're going to cool down. We're going to have a wonderful weekend seeing all the Utah Shakespeare Festival plays. And then as autumn comes in, we don't realize it has a rich, rich schedule still oh, to yeah. come. We still have four. We just opened our fourth show for the for the fall season, The Tavern. We've got four plays flying, playing through October. And if you've never been to Southern Utah in the autumn, it is an amazing experience. It's still warmer, but just a little cooler. A little slower paced. It's just a relaxing, really wonderful area to be in. in Can the I fall. just say the restaurants have really grown? And oh yeah. I know you know that um, there's a Thai restaurant I hit up every time, <laughs> and I almost think they're going to finally say, "Hi, Rebecca, how you doing? Would it's, you like the salad again?" When I, I'm, it's to the point with me when I go to that place because it's wonderful. That whenever I order, even ordering over the phone, when I pick it up and leave, he's like, "Okay, see you tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I just mentioned that, but there are so many restaurants. There's, of course, the campgrounds just up and around. There's beautiful uh, country just around that small town. And the Utah Shakespeare Festival grounds has completely changed. If you have not gone in the last year, you need to go explore all the new theaters. It's wonderful. The Beverly Taylor, Taylor Sorensen Center for the Arts, we completed last year. We're in our second season now. Uh, we've, you know, The trees are growing. There's more of them. It's, uh, and, and they're just starting to turn. Uh, in terms of the autumn, uh, it's an amazing space. We have three beautiful theaters now, um, and uh, you know the two of the, two of the four shows are in our small, brand new two hundred seat theater, and then the other two are in our uh, Randall L. Jones big indoor theater. And it's uh, it's a really with the museum right next door and the grounds there. It's just a f- great place to hang out. So here's the here's the thing that I want you to know is that when you hear Utah Shakespeare Festival, often you're thinking, you know, Romeo and Juliet and King, you know, all these. Uh, dramas, mm-hmm. and you know that there's mm-hmm. comedies as well. There is so much more in addition to Shakespeare plays coming up. And so let's start with the tavern because this is what just opened yep, up. Just barely and you opened. You said people are actually going away with side aches from laughing so hard. <laughs> it's true. It's it's a, a play written by George M. Cohan, who's more familiar to people, I think, as the guy who wrote uh, Give My Regards to Broadway or Yankee Doodle Dandy, but he also wrote non musical plays. And this tavern is special because it's adapted specific to take place in southern Utah. And so people familiar with the area will recognize the town names, will recognize the sort of style. And it's a western farce that is so much fun. It takes place during the storm of the century. Uh, You know, the the wind of, of Utah is a character of its own in the play. And uh, this mysterious vagabond shows up uh, who no one quite knows where he is and causes a little bit of uh, a little bit of, of drama. And of course, when somebody like that's causing drama, it's hilarious. <laughs> you said wind is actually a character. <laughs> yeah. The, I, for those of you who've some some of you may have visited southern Utah and experienced, you know, a good southern Utah gust. Um, there are jokes. You that, mean some of us? <laughs> Even if you're driving I mean, through, through it, it you can feel it. it. Yeah. Sure. There was an old joke when I moved to Cedar City that uh, you know, the Mormon pioneers were heading south to St. George and got caught on a windstorm uh, in Cedar City. And they said, well, we'll just stay here until the wind stops. And they've been here ever since. <laughs> Lucky them. But the storm of the century 
raging outside this tavern, and again, a tavern in this sense, sense is more like an inn, uh, you know, a, a place to stay than a, than a, than a bar. But uh, with the wind blowing outside, people are are rushing to sort of get get settled for the night, uh, which leads a lot of care, really a lot of fun and interesting and mysterious characters to get caught. Uh, in this beautiful Can place. Can you tell me the time period that the tavern is set? Because one of the wonderful things about adaptations uh-huh. to pr- to plays and productions is you're never quite sure what that director will say. You know what? We're going to put this in this time period. Uh, the the best place to it's it's the late 1800s, 1880s, 1890s, sort of post Victorian, but again that sort of heightened spaghetti western feel where you've you know as you can imagine. Women in great fur cloaks and men dressed like you know, like the great sort of cowboys of the West. Uh, that's the that's the feel in the setting. I feel really uneducated. Spaghetti Western. I've never heard that term well, before. So if you think about the great, you know, if you think about, we could talk about this is a whole other show, but we could talk about <laughs> the, you know the, the history of filming westerns in the state of Utah. Yes, so many westerns were filmed mm-hmm. there. And if you think about those great sort of pulp westerns of the '60s and '70s, okay, you know, and you and you more. Exactly, right, Neil Morricone okay. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the feel of this play. <sighs> the director and the adapter, Joe Hanratty, really wanted to dive into the cultural history of Utah as the home of westerns for Americans uh, in the telling of this great story. So you feel like on stage with the great lighting design of Kirk Bookman uh, that you are in the middle of a great, you know, Clint Eastwood or uh, you know Ennio Morricone uh, or. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, minus the violence and the you know the language, the gore, but the sure. gore, sure, but but that great sort of classic Western feel wow. on the stage, live in front of you, with some really cool special effects that I want to ruin. Um, you'll you know you can read more about it. You can see photos online on our website bard.org. But it's it's a, it's such a fun show, and it's such a fun show. I think for the fall because uh, you can come down and sort of get this sort of you know, the little crisp in the air as you bundle up and to head into the theater. You can watch this great play coupled with three other amazing pieces of theater. I think I really like the fact that they're weaving in some authentic Utah history, not just because we were the set of Tombstone and all these Westerns, but because, you know, we are a great Western state that kind of developed itself during that time period. I did some family history and uh, found out that I actually had an ancestor that uh, hunted outlaws. And and so when we started to look at some of his writings, it was amazing that he was, uh, you know, looking for these people. He would ride his horse from uh, northern Utah down to Mexico. And then he wow. talked. He writes about this one moment where he's got the outlaws and they're in a shootout and they're getting ready. Not a shootout. What's that called when they're in a draw? And then they're they're both pointing their guns. It's like that moment, <laughs> like, a du- like, a, like, the, like a sort of Western duel. Yes, whatever. and they're and they're ready. Standoff. And he said he thought, "Wait, I'm going to go ahead and trick him." And so he made his eyes avert to the right as if somebody was coming from behind him. And when the guy looked, he shot him. And I thought, oh, is "This he is proud real. Of that? This is a real. This is a real family history of mine." <laughs> well, there's so a, that's where there's some a play of my, or a movie in there. I <laughs> that's think. where I get my shoot spa from. <laughs> All right, so the tavern it just opened. People are laughing. They're loving the entertainment. The set. All of that. It started this weekend. How long does the tavern run? Place to the end of our, uh, October 21st is oh, its last Matinees, show. Matinees, evening, evenings, Tuesday through Saturday. There's uh, lots of chances to see it. Whether you want to come down early in the week, you want to come down for the weekend. Uh, the full calendar is at bard.org, but there are lots of chances to see it every week. Go to the website. It's bard, <clears throat> B-A-R-D dot O-R-G, yep. because it is really a rich website. I'll tell you that. Not only does it tell you the showing so if you go to buy tickets it'll tell you what nights what matinees are available uh what seats that you can opt for but it also gives you some summaries so oh, yeah. if you have someone who is not 
aware of what the tavern is about, and you're going to do some convincing, you can read that summary. And it read, tells you about the actors, too. Yep, yeah, we've got all the information mm-hmm. on the actors, the company. We've got audio orientation. So if you want just a tease uh, and you're, it's easier to listen than to, than to read, we give you audio teases of all of our plays. Um, you can links to YouTube videos and Facebook Live uh, discussions with actors and uh, directors. We've got a podcast series that's out of this world. The lighting designer, Kirk Bookman, did a, we did an episode with him in the summer talking about sort of his process. You can see examples of his work there. It's, it's a great way to extend your experience, whether you're getting ready to come down and want to learn a lot of things or remember a great time before where you just want to sift through photos and articles and, and videos and just – immerse yourself in your the last time you came and experienced the Utah Shakespeare Festival. And for those who just joined us, this is Josh Stavros. He is with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. We're talking about the fall schedule. It is still on stage with so many rich offerings. Uh, the Tavern just opened up, but I am excited because I am seeing midnight, the mid- <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer Night's Easy Dream. Easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rolls trippingly off the tongue, as Shakespeare <laughs> would say. Uh, yes, it's been, we've, we've had it running all summer, but it plays through the fall again through the end of October. What did your parents say about it? It's it's funny. My parents have, you know, I we're not a theater family, but we enjoy, you know, the arts generally. My parents came down and saw the show, and they've seen a lot of Shakespeare in the last few years since uh, me and my my sister and others have worked there. Uh, and they said that as they walked out of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, it's one of the clearest uh, and best tellings of a Shakespeare play they've ever seen. They loved the direction, they loved the design, uh, which isn't your sort of pumpkin pants and ruffs. It's uh, sort of reimagined because it's in our indoor space to take place uh, in the 1920s, sort of the roaring 20s, and it's got a really sort of great Gatsby feel, and they felt like it really extended uh, and, and aided in the storytelling, and there was nothing superfluous. The action met the text, the text met the words. Everything felt uh, just accessible So and fun. Midsummer Night's Dream in the Jazz Age. Yes. Wow. Yeah. How extraordinary it, is that? It's beautiful. It's so fun, and it's beautiful, and 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 the comment, and it, and it speaks to I think, uh, the universality of a Shakespeare story because the language, sure, it's it's is sort of an it can feel old fashioned, but put in the hands of brilliant actors on a great stage, it can feel just as contemporary because you're watching the story unfold, not trying to read it and imagine it in your mind like you would in an English class, and not that there's anything against studying Shakespeare as literature, but when you see it live on stage, with with gifted actors telling you the story, it's like nothing else. And I think for anyone who's on the fence about wanting to, you know, maybe wanting to dive into Shakespeare and not quite sure what to do, I can say with, with, with full clarity that this is one of the best introductory Shakespeare experiences you will ever have. Midsummer Night's Midsummer Dream. Midsummer Night's Dream at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. All right. So do not miss that as well. And you can get more info at bard.org. That's B-A-R-D.org. So you've made me super excited about the chance to see this as I've been waiting uh, for an opportunity to head on down to the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Don't wait. Just make that opportunity. Um, for those who remember Midsummer Night's Dream but don't remember the plot, can you just give us a minute and a half? Okay. It's a very complex. Uh, story, but can you give us just like a two minute? Absolutely. Okay. So the the story starts uh, in Athens. The Duke of Athens, Theseus, has uh, just returned from war. He's uh, uh, the, the they, he was at war with the Amazons uh, of Wonder Woman fame, that, and that uh, and uh, as part of the peace treaty, he's going to marry the queen of the Amazons, Hippolyta. And as they're planning their wedding, getting ready for it to happen the next few days, a couple of his subjects come in, um, and uh, Aegeus, uh, a gentleman of the court, has a daughter named Hermia, who he wants to marry. Uh, a man named Demetrius. Uh, Hermia, however, is in love with another man named Lysander, and she wants uh, she wants to marry him. 
Uh, and so the Aegeus has said, well, I'm the father. I know what's right for my daughter. And regardless of what she wants and what she would make her happy, I want you to rule on this. Uh, and there's an old law never really used that, uh, that, that means that you, the duke, can, uh, can sentence her uh, to death or banishment if she doesn't do what I say. And the duke, wow. looking at the situation, <laughs> says, well, uh, I'm going to give her, you, Hermia, a little time to think about this. But if you don't do what your father says, uh, you're going to be banished uh, from the court. Uh, and that's what's going to happen. So Demetrius and the Duke and Aegeus leave. Hermia and Lysander decide that, no, that's not what they're going to do. Young love will prevail. They're going to elope, and they're going to head into the forest that night. And as they leave, they see Hermia's best friend, Helena, who's actually in love with Demetrius, the guy that her dad wants her to marry. Uh, But he hasn't been treating her very well. And they tell her their plan as they get ready to leave. And she, in a fit of... uh, Jealousy. Perfectly understandable jealousy sure. and misunderstanding says, I know, so that Demetrius likes me, I'll tell him that Hermia is leaving and then he can go after him because I will have helped him out. He'll totally like me and everything will work out for the better. What could go wrong? So she tells Demetrius and they head off into the forest uh, to find Hermia and Helena because of the wedding celebration. Uh, there's, another, there's a group of people in Athens like – like a, the best way to think about it is the Athens Community Theater is getting ready to put on a play, uh, and they just they come together, they get their parts. If you've ever served, worked in a community theater or around community theater, <laughs> you're going to see everybody you ever knew in Shakespeare's day written. It's so amazing that community theater has been the same forever, both good and bad. Uh, they decide they're going to rehearse their play that night in the forest. So all these characters are making their way out to the forest as the night falls. And then we meet the last set of characters, uh, the, the the mystical fairies of the forest. We see Puck. We see the king of the fairies, Oberon, and his queen, Titania, who are in kind of a fight. Uh, they each want something, and uh, as they sort of head their separate ways because they're arguing, Oberon and Puck come up with a plan to sort of prank Titania. And Puck, in his earnest effort to prank Titania, gets those lovers caught up in this swirling mess and everything takes place. The rest of the play takes place in this beautiful moonlit mystical forest as all of these characters swirl together and comedy unfolds. It's a, I, lo- I love the structure of this story because we sort of get the set up from all of these three groups and then they're all pushed together and the rest of the play is them working with and against each other. And then the last bit of the play is they sort of unravels and everything settles back down. You've done just such a beautiful job giving us a synopsis. And it was, I don't know uh, Shakespeare like you do, but I was wondering, is this one of the few works of art of Shakespeare that introduces mystical characters? It's, it's, it, you know, fan, fantasy characters. It's funny you say that. that there's actually a fair bit of of magic and mysticism in, a, in, a, in a several of his different plays, some more than others. This one's probably the most direct and specific but With if fairies think, but right yeah, and, and but if you think of the tempest you know prospero has his magic okay. there's there's a moment it's it's sort of in, in Cymbeline, uh, there's this moment where or in where the, the god jupiter appeared that there, there are other plays okay. with some but nothing quite so fun and fantastical as midsummer night's dream i with, think i shared with, with with such you know with such specific magical characters, um, uh, I apologize that I inter- uh, interrupted no, you no, there. Uh, it was just a couple of months ago. My husband and I had the rare chance to go to London and uh, to walk and uh, see not only the new uh, Shakespeare Theater, mm-hmm. but to walk a block and a half away and to stand on a roadway and it's very humbly marked just off the bridge, not too far from London mm-hmm. Bridge, and you just stand and you're looking at an, almost an apartment complex. A paved parkway or a paved mm-hmm. uh, parking space. And right there is a teeny little sign, and it shows you this is 
one of the original locations where William Shakespeare's plays were put on. And and it is extraordinary. I think I got chills down thinking, there he is. Yep. Just He was performing right. these right off the Thames, yep. right off the river. If you close your eyes, you mm-hmm. can sort of imagine the things being reshaped and imagine just, you know, Joe, Joe Average working Shakespeare, just bringing the script in, giving it to some actors. And who knew that such amazing stories would spring from such humble beginnings. Right. And it, it is beautiful. He had times there and then and then that theater would close down. Then he'd have to move and find somewhere else. The reason why I wanted to bring that up as well is one of the crown jewels of the Utah Shakespeare Festival is the, I don't want to use the incorrect terminology, but the recreation sure. of a larger theater in the round. Yep. And, and that has been extraordinary to be able to have that experience just like hundreds of years ago. Well, I think that's what has brought people down and will hopefully bring people back is the chance to see Shakespeare lots of different ways. We, you know, we Last year we did Julius Caesar in our small 200-seat space. This year we've got Midsummer in our indoor theater. And, and during the summer and through the year, we will produce Shakespeare in our outdoor space. And being able to see Shakespeare in the open air, in the light, the way that it would have happened in you know in London in an afternoon where you saw it or at, like it happens now at the Globe. There's something powerful about seeing all of these stories so many different ways because, as I said a little earlier, there's a universality to it. The reason they've lived so long is the stories are so so simple in so many ways and so clear that there's something about them that it just stays with us. And whether we're talking about Rom- Romeo and Juliet or The Tempest or Hamlet or Macbeth or, 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 or Midsummer Night's Dream – They've infused themselves into our culture and they're just a part of us. And to be able to see those stories so many different ways and so many and, and at different times in our lives where we can reconnect them in different ways, it's what keeps me so fulfilled working at a place like that. Because, I mean, we just did Romeo and Juliet and it's a play I've seen I can't count how many times. And every time I see it, it's something a little different. I've seen Midsummer. I've, I've directed Midsummer. I've, I've been in it. I, it's, but I still come back. You know, I'll, I'll head across the street during the afternoon to try to catch part of the matinee because it's that there's something else I can get from it. There's something else, whether it's something with my family, with my friends, my workplace, it's, it's so much fun. And I think it's, it's one of the things we do really well at the Shakespeare festival is we tell stories really well and really clearly. And I think if you want us, you know, and we want people to come down and make their own stories as part of it, to be, to, to come with their family or with their friends and come experience Southern Utah and, and write their own stories as they see the great stories of, of Western civilization put put forth on our stages. And, you know, when you have the caliber of actors uh, on stage, they can make Shakespeare's language very accessible. Absolutely. Whether it's the look on their faces, their body language. So they are helping me, if there is at all a complex stanza uh, yeah. or text, I can see very visually what is happening, the emotions, and that helps me fill in the blanks oftentimes if I'm having a hard time with Absolutely. some of the old English. And, and, and it helps you realize, just like a normal conversation, you're not processing consciously every single word of every single conversation in your regular life you're you know reading cues you're there's so much more stimuli that comes in and i think there's a tendency with shakespeare for whatever reason to feel like we have to know and understand every word as it comes out and process it and and have a clear literative understanding and when you see an actor on stage just speaking the lines and acting with another partner just like you would with a contemporary play or a musical all of a sudden it's like oh well, I just can. I'll just sit back and listen, and I'll let the story unfold, and the language will seep in and be a part of me, and I don't have to think 
about it. Nope, you do Especially not. Especially with a play like Midsummer. We have about uh, six minutes together. It's Josh Stavros, uh, Stavros of the Utah Shakespeare Festival, and we have plays running through the end of October. Tell us what else we can see besides the tavern th- through the end of October. So we've talked about the tavern in mm-hmm. Midsummer. The other two plays playing in our Ains Studio Theater, our brand new small, intimate 200-seat space, which is so, so fun uh, it's to see work. So, you know, when you're used to... See- Performing on a big stage or seeing work on a big stage, being able to come in and seeing something more intimate is so exciting. We've got uh, William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, Abridged, uh, a comedy uh, originally written by the RSC. That's the Reduced Shakespeare Company out of uh, off the East Coast. Uh, the same people, if you've seen either at the festival or other places, the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged. They tell – it's three actors come together to tell this fictionalized story of this wonderfully zany, irreverent mashup – of all of Shakespeare's plays into one long story. Uh, you know, and Matt, when I say mashup, I mean literally a mashup. Uh, Puck and Ariel from The Tempest, Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream, Ariel from The Tempest are in a big fight, and there's this love triangle between Hamlet and uh, uh, Kate from Taming of the Shrew and Lady Macbeth, and, <laughs> and all of this sort of swirls together wow. as these three actors try to tell this uh, sort of wonderful mashup story uh, in about an hour and 45 minutes. And I can't believe I get to say it when I'm talking about a theater experience at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. You might get wet on this ride. Uh, it's it's so much fun and it's wild. Uh, one of the best sort of one-line descriptions someone gave of it at the office was if uh, Looney Tunes and Shakespeare uh, got together and had a baby and that baby started to work for Saturday Night Live... <laughs> That's the kind of show you'd be experiencing with Long Lost. And what is it called again? William Shakespeare's Long Lost First Play, Abridged. (laughs) Uh, More information on our website, but it's so much fun. And these three actors do, uh, you know, I think one of them said he, when I I was talking to him this week, he plays 19 characters. The other one plays 18. And the last one plays, I think, 12 to 16 characters. Wow. All of them changes changes happening on and off stage. It's amazing. And then it's uh, playing in repertory with a world premiere play uh, by a playwright and filmmaker uh, who has his theatrical roots here in Utah. Uh, Neil Labute went to BYU, uh, good friends with the actor Aaron Eckhart. They worked together on their first movie, Company of Men, uh, and he's since gone to Broadway, uh, has written and directed a number of films, television shows, plays. Uh, We're doing a world premiere of his play, How to Fight Loneliness, Uh, an incredibly – there's so much to this work. It's it's heavy. It's dramatic. um, It's powerful. And and every single person I've talked to leaving the theater has said – it stayed with me for days. I can't stop thinking about it. We talked about it on the way home. We couldn't. It raises questions. And I, I, one of my favorite uh, lines from a review was whether or not you love the show or whether or not it's it's perfect in any way because it's a new play and there's it's you know, different people have different opinions. But she she said, this is why I go to the theater. Mm. This is what keeps me coming back is plays like this that that that. It's something we've never really done before. And they dig into your soul. They dig into your thoughts, your your life experience, Uh and relates to it, tosses it around a bit, and and reframes, doesn't it? This couple has Mm -hmm. to face – this this, uh, couple, Brad and Jody, are faced with uh, a a difficult life decision, and they aren't sure what to do. I'm being intentionally vague because so much of the story unfolds, uh, and you want to be there and and have it unfold for you for the first time – and they bring in a, a call, a, someone from their past to help them decide how and what to do in the situation. And then the play unfolds like that. It's just those three actors. It's not for everyone. There's some stronger language in the play than perhaps in, in other performances we've done. But as so I do said, you say 17 and older or do you just say uh, caution? I, I would say caution. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we're being if we're being specific, if it was a movie based on the language, it would be it would be rated R. But there's no 
there's no sexual content. There's no it's 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 for it's for the strong, emotionally strong, intense, em, emotionally intense mm-hmm. strong contemporary language. And it's funny we've gotten very we all of you know you can read the disclaimer on our website. We've gotten no real complaints about it because we've tried to be upfront and, and transparent about what's in the show, so no one's surprised when they go in. Um, and contextually. I'm not a fan of generally anything gratuitous. I've worked in the theater for a long time and can tell the difference between something that's germane to storytelling and something that's just there for shock value. And I can say, not just as an employee of the Shakespeare Festival, but as a lover of theater, that this is not a gratuitous piece of theater, that this is emotionally and honestly written. And 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 there's, you know, there's good – there's value in a, in a piece of theater like this. And it's so exciting for me uh, to see the festival producing that in conjunction with – Midsummer Night's Dream and with the tavern that that you can come down to Cedar City and see the full spectrum of of the theatrical experience from that, from comedy from, and from farce farce to and comedy deep, to deep mm-hmm. emotional contemporary drama and it's not a lot there's not a lot of places in Utah where you can get that full range in one stay in three days in Southern Utah with world class actors, actors and directors yep, yep. and staging and yep. lighting it is extraordinary and and I always want to make sure I make a point the Tony Award winning yes. Utah <laughs> Shakespeare Festival it is still going on through the end of October you have a chance now to decide what you'd like to do for the weekend go for a weeknight yep. listen I live two and a half two hours 45 minutes away often I will go on an evening of performance I'll leave uh, in the early afternoon, I'll go see the show. I'll come back that night, go to work the next morning. Yep. If you want to see a few of these plays before the end of October, you don't just have to choose one. You can embrace the next few weeks as opportunities to see each of these four productions. There's plenty of hotel rooms. Uh, there's new food offerings opening almost oh, yeah. every week. And there's there's a few new restaurants. We've got more food offerings at the festival this year. Um, uh, drumsticks? Drums. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> uh, full dinners now. it's There's lots... There's lots to bring you to Southern Utah, and, and we hope that you know that you want to see you want to see us. And and you mentioned the museum. So before I let you go, yes. uh, even though I've said that there are nights that I'll drive down and then come back, uh, to be able to absorb the full experience, the Green Show, uh, which is before the performances, the museum, it really does allow you. For me, as a mother who loved to expose my sons to theater and to the arts, because of the 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 stories of people's lives that are interwoven. It offered, offered me as a mother an opportunity to say, what did you see in these characters? What did you learn from that human experience? And to walk through now the museums. It, this is just an extraordinary opportunity for education yeah. and illumination for every member of your family. And there is babysitting that oh, you can set up ahead of time our, if you have little ones. Yep. Our child care runs through the fall. Um, and they're amazing. My own daughters, it's their favorite thing in the world. They can't wait to go visit when we go see shows. Uh, and, and, you know, your, your point about the museum, there's something magical about such a nexus of arts happening in such a place like Cedar City with the museum, which is free to uh, entry. Uh, in the summertime, we have the green shows. In the fall, uh, we, we, we scale back because, well, again, we want a little more casual experience. So we've just got the four shows running. But orientation, seminars, discussions, production seminars, uh, chances to see backstage tours, all of that's still going on. Uh, and there's a way you can just immerse yourself in a cultural experience in southern Utah. Yeah, looking forward to it again. Josh Stavros with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. To get your pick of what you'd like to see and learn more about it, go online to bard, B-A-R-D dot O-R-G. Josh, thanks so much for coming into town. Thank you, Rebecca. And joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.